I've been thinking about this anchor community and how basically the people that I've been finding so far have been very positive and um, supportive of each other. Though I worry that there is an inevitability that it could become more toxic. However, because it's more immediately responsive in terms of voice, that there may be better tools to mitigate that, to better have discussions and to better work with each other. It's not like it's not like you read someone's post on a Facebook comment or a YouTube comment and you're assuming attitude because that is your first natural response. You can hear the tone in someone's voice and you can properly respond to them. Um, but I, I do genuinely worry that the community will get muddled like really every other community on earth does, um, particularly when it comes to the internet and social networks. So I was thinking about that, but also in the context of like video game communities or comment threads, Reddit, um, places where there is so much access to toxic behavior that I'm wondering if if it's appropriate or if more communities or more platforms, I should say, should be taking more responsibility for managing these communities. Uh, because there's really no policing of the internet at the moment. Like, you can get in trouble in real life for doing something terrible on the internet, threatening to an extreme level. And I say an extreme level because people threaten people of rape and murder and pillaging and killing all the time and nothing happens. There's no real, by, by that sense, I say there's no real policing of the internet. So I'm wondering if the future, the success of platforms in the future is, is predicated on the notion of platforms policing their services a little bit more or finding some way to effectively retain freedom of creativity while policing toxicity, as it were. I, I'm, I'm wondering, oh, I'm definitely going to play System of a Down after this. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever used toxicity rag casually in a conversation before. So yeah, that's definitely being used. Um, so I, I but it, it makes me think about it because gaming communities are one of the things that stick out to me. Because you often, you'll see a video game you'll buy on the shelf where it'll explain the rating of the game. Maybe it's uh, E for Everyone or T for Teen or something that is more of a mature game, but it's still very controlled in the first player experience. There's not a lot of cursing and yelling or too much violence or anything like that. But once you throw in an online mode, there is typically a screen that comes up that says... Experience may vary once you enter online mode, because obviously the human element is a major variable. Um, so I'm wondering if there are better ways to challenge that, to challenge people's ability to be a good person, to, to be a better person, as opposed to just putting up a disclaimer or ignoring it and not actually doing anything about it or platforms or companies not taking responsibility because it's quote unquote, not their problem. Um, I'm wondering if there is a way to make that happen. And I think honestly for the future of anchor or any other platforms, 
it's important to be able to fend off that toxicity because we know it's coming. We know there are going to be people calling into people's stations and cursing them out. I've gotten random phone calls throughout my life from people who thought it was me and they responded with vitriol, you know, calling me a spick and saying all these terrible words and, and things to me, even though it wasn't aimed towards me, it was aimed at somebody with my same name. But even so, it's only a matter of time, if it's not happening already, that people are going to call in to people that they don't agree with and start being extremely hateful and make things worse for people and worse things worse for the platform. So um, I'm sure there's, I'm hoping because of how thoughtful Anchor is, the people at Anchor are, um, that they'll put some sort of reporting options and ways to make sure the community stays fresh and safe and happy. Only time will tell. All right, friends, after I just got done talking about uh, not oversaturating Anchor with marketing jargon, I actually um, decided that I wanted to share a couple things with you guys. I just finished an article on Medium, uh, which reflects what I was talking about uh, the other day when it comes to, well, actually earlier today. God, it feels like forever, um, about the three methods of success. Uh, so I put that into article form on Medium. So medium.com slash at Christian Rivera, uh, if you want to check that out. And then I thought next I would upload a um, snippet of one of the songs I've been working on. I just got to figure out which ones I want to share. So I was going to do it like a whole bunch at once and then like have you guys listen to them and uh, share them. But you know what? Actually, let's do it this way. I'm Once a day, I'm going to share a track from the album in order so you can hear the entire album. There's a couple tracks that don't have audio uh, vocals yet, but um, as it stands... I'm pretty happy with how everything is in terms of audio levels and such so far. Um, and if you don't want to listen to it, then just skip it. So that's why I don't want to make it like 10 tracks in a row. I'll just do one track. So this first one, uh, I'll do it once a day. This first one is called Sums It Up. It's the first track on the album. It's one that I'm super proud of. Um, and if you want to listen to all these in advance, you can go to soundcloud.com slash home for the fences. Um, but if not, you can just skip to the next track, which is, uh, yeah, Sums It Up. First track I wrote for this album. It is um, something I'm very proud of. It's very Jimmy Worldish. So if you're a big fan of that band, uh, you'll enjoy this track. It's super catchy. I just got to figure out some lyrics to really set it off. Uh, and that's it. Enjoy. Sums it up by Swing for the Fences. Christian, what's going on? It's Carol Listen from Unfiltered Love Radio. Good job, good job, good job. Keep on expressing yourself. Keep on dealing with it. As a mental health professional, as a counselor, I try to get people to get to where you are. So you are really in a good place. Keep doing what you got to do and take ownership of all of your feelings and emotions. They're yours. You own them. They don't own you. You control them and tell them when to activate. They don't tell you when to activate. Keep breathing. Keep living. Keep loving. I wanted to quickly share that. I should have actually uh, annotated it before I posted it, but uh, I wanted to share that response to Simon from Dwayne. Uh, Dewan, I think. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. I'm the worst. <laughs> um, but I, I appreciate the fresh perspective from somebody who shows empathy but doesn't necessarily, hasn't 
necessarily dealt with um, mental health and mental illness. And and my channel is not, my station is not one where I'm going to talk about this all the time, but really the past few days have been really deep in it, so I wanted to talk about it more. Uh, I think it's a very helpful mentality to be empathetic of what other people are going through, while also, like he was saying, not necessarily pretending like you get it, um, that, that you've been there. And I think, I think it's an interesting perspective that a lot of people can take into, you know, politics and social issues and things like that. There are a lot of people who are standing up for people who might not necessarily have, um, been in those shoes and may not be representing those things properly. Uh, mental health is one of those things where, you know, a famous musician kills himself and everybody jumps on social media talking about demons and um, calling helplines and if you're dealing with it, talk to me and blah, 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 blah. And I hate that stuff. Like those days are like some of my least favorite days. Obviously, it's not good for the families uh, of, of those victims. I'm not going to pretend like I'm more important, but um, it's just the, the general public perception is frustrating. I'd almost rather they not say anything or because I don't know, for me, it's like it, it shows the ignorance of what the topic of what's really going on, uh, particularly when people talk about demons. I really hate that so much. Like it's not, we're not possessed. It's not a demonic possession. We're, we're, we're people that are dealing with difficult brain chemistry, different perspectives, difficult perspectives. I, I shouldn't even say perspective because it's not like it's a choice. It's like days, weeks, or months where you, you can't focus. You don't have energy. And I want to reiterate that it's it's not about sadness either. It's not even like I'm, I'm pretty happy. Like I've got a good life. Um, it's just sometimes your brain just feels like it's eating away at you and you can't focus or maybe you're overwhelmed or, you know, you just kind of have to, it, it's almost like your brain is reminding you to, to take stock and audit your life real quick. Um, and I think it's helpful to, I, I, it's a it's a feeling that's no different than one when I had when I was a kid where I associated with with suicide and wanting to kill myself but it's the same feeling that it is today but today I associate it with not wanting to exist in this moment and I've dealt with it so many times that I know it's going to pass um, and that's that's important on its own realizing that it does pass um, it's not something that goes away. It's going to keep coming back. And maybe that's the frustrating part that it just doesn't go away. It usually comes back when you least need it to come back, <laughs> which is ever, I guess. But, um, I think, I think that's why it's important for us to talk about it and, and give each other the tools to prepare for that next time. You know, that's why I say like, talk to your spouse about it. Talk to your friends about it make people understand it so that when you're in these moments, people don't think you're just being moody or an asshole or difficult or someone who is hard to talk to, but that you're genuinely going through a difficult time and that it's nothing personal. You have to explain to people that it is nothing personal. That's huge. Like take the time. So 
I, I, the empathy is super important. If you're somebody that is not dealing with it, um, having that empathy and, and, and getting that under, just, just acknowledging it, understanding that it's a real thing. It's like associated with those social issues. Like you don't necessarily have to give a solution because you're not a person that is in it maybe, but acknowledge that it's real. And I think that's a problem we have with a lot of things. We're just ignoring it and pretending it doesn't exist. And we need to acknowledge that it's real. These are not demons. These are real things. So I'm reading that Facebook is going to be launching a watch TV thing soon, which is super fascinating. I, you know, I, I think I heard like on a podcast recently that someone was like, Facebook should come out with a TV, um, and like a, like a physical TV and, um, no, that's stupid. Uh, maybe they will eventually, but they have everyone's attention on their phones. Why would they need to create a separate product for that? Um, maybe they could eventually do that and end up swallowing that space completely whole and completely crushing cable. Um, but the idea is to give people a watch tab on their Facebook app and they can watch live video. Now, I'm not sure what that live video will actually be. They're paying a lot of money to get TV shows. Likely, it'll be a lot of sports stuff. You'll see probably MLB Network or something like that. And this seems to be the end game, or the next step at least, to the live video aspect. They, uh, they've gotten live video to work, so um, likely they're... Basically, what they're trying to do is make live TV social. So they're going to see what you like and what you're watching and what your friends are watching and make suggestions um, about what you're watching and give you something that you should be watching. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of like Facebook ads, but with live TV, which could be interesting, but also a little frightening. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm mixed on it. I think it's kind of a genius idea, but at the same time, it's almost like, is that too much? I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm wondering if people will actually watch that. Uh, I think it's an attempt to get younger people back onto the platform or to get older people away from their TVs and spending more time on their phone. Um, so they can serve them ads alongside that live feed or in between it. I've already seen, I've had the beta version of the Facebook app and I've seen some pre-roll ads within the Facebook video, which is a little gross already. Nobody even likes the ads on YouTube. Um, but this seems like a play both at YouTube and, uh, at cable providers. It could be interesting to see how this shakes things up. If people actually gravitate towards it, if they like it, if they're huh, like it, <laughs> Facebook, um, if they're into it and I don't know if people will share it, if people will like this sort of thing, if, if people will actually watch it, how will it affect, um, watching of Netflix and things like that? Um, cause Netflix has attempted to kind of make their platform social cause they've, they've given recommendations as to what your friends are watching, but that hasn't been particularly useful. You can hear my nephew in the background. Um, 
So I, I wonder how this is going to work and, and, and what programming is really going to be on it. Uh, are they going to try to get like a lot of daytime TV? I could see a lot of like, I could see Ellen DeGeneres. I can see news outlets. I can see, um, MLB.TV. I can see ESPN. I can see, uh, the Today Show. A lot of those shows that are specific times expanding to doing more shows and, um, trying to get more video segments spread around. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's purely live video. I, I might be wrong about that, but, um, let's read a little snippet here. Facebook has been willing to pay millions of dollars for exclusive rights to more premium, longer shows while less expensive shows. Uh, my screen went blank. <laughs> that was bad timing. While less expensive and shorter shows reportedly cost between $5,000 and $20,000, the cheaper shows are permitted to be shown outside of Facebook after they exclusively debut in the Watch tab. So there's exclusive rights. Um, they're trying to rival Snapchat and YouTube and um, traditional TV markets uh, and basically create another place to serve ads and advertising and marketing and create another revenue stream so that they can get uh, uh, payment directly from companies so that they don't have to serve ads. Maybe that's another way. So I don't know. Let me know what you think about this. I'm curious to see. They're going to be launching more details tomorrow. Um, so we'll talk about it more then. Hey, Christian had to call in because I was listening to your segment on toxicity and I'm here to tell you it's already here. It's already happening because Anchor's been around for over a year. So there are plenty of toxic people here. And this is a, co a topic that I'm going to be covering tomorrow. Um, just had a huge discussion on it this evening um, in private messages with, uh, with several people who, who really have just had some negative experiences. And I think for the most part, there's a lot of people here that are experiencing this, but because they don't know that there are other people in the same position, they're just basically throwing their hands up and leaving anger. And I think as a community, we need to speak about these things and come together and support one another so that these people who are the offenders don't win, so to speak. Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to the C-Note Audio Extravaganza. I need to say that, like, more, like, Spanish. <laughs> uh, I'm not very Spanish. I mean, I'm, DNA-wise, I'm very Spanish, uh, 100%, but, um, culturally, not at all. But my dad used to do, um, voiceovers for like Telemundo and Univision. I think he still does them. I'm not sure. I have to check with him. He's always doing new things, which is uh, sort of shown in what I do also. But uh, <laughs> I should do it more like Saburo Igante, like that whole deal. <laughs> the C-Note Horio Extravaganza. I don't know. <laughs> is that, I mean, the name kind of asks for that, I suppose. But um, anyway, welcome to the epic conclusion of Sick Day. I, I feel better. Um, uh, I feel better physically. Uh, I'm not quite out of the woods yet when it comes to feeling, um, you know, depressive things. Uh, my, I still kind of have that like restless feeling and, um, a little bit of unfocused shakiness, but I think what's helped is the, uh, 
focus is a little bit better. It's a little bit there. I've got some ideas for things that I'm doing in the next few days. Um, I'm not much of a planner, so having something figured out for the next few days is like monumental. <laughs> um, I've got a new computer at work coming and all that good stuff. Um, I didn't even introduce myself. Hey, C-Note, this is your host, Christian Rivera. And uh, I went into the Sabado Gigante rant and things went off the rails already starting such a good, such on, a, on such a good note. Ooh, uh. But uh, thank you for listening. I want to thank the Anchor community and uh, some great friends I've met yesterday all through this community. Um, people have been really great at responding to some of the difficulties I've been speaking about and uh, general topics and, and um, really being open and receptive. And I know everyone's trying to like build their channel. I'm trying to look past that cynicism. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's all rooted in authenticity, which I appreciate. Everyone's being genuinely nice to each other and being helpful, which is great. Um, so if you're not a part of the Anchor community, as this is the podcast version of, of this stuff, um, you should give it a shot. Go to anchor.fm and sign up or uh, download the app and give it a try. It's pretty easy to get involved in. And I think if you're somebody that is um, very charismatic, outspoken, has something to talk about, and um, really wants to get your voice out there, if you have a personal brand, this is great for that. Or even if you're just like, I don't know, a local shop or salesperson, like I think it's a good, it's a good way to talk about your expertise and have people connect with you and your brand and who you are as a person um, through through audio through this audio medium. Which is um, the the beauty of Anchor is that the the walls are pretty low. Like it's easy to get into, it's easy to do it, and it's not as scary as starting something on YouTube. You know, you're not, you're not putting your face out there. You're not um, you're not opening yourself to that kind of a ju judgment, um, which you should you should work towards being more comfortable with yourself anyway, and, and not worrying about what other people say. Easier said than done. I understand that, uh, but the anchor community is. Uh, receptive to people talking to each other, at least the community I've interacted with so far. And um, if you listened to this previous segment from Danger, spelled D-A-Y-N-G-R, I think it was, um, which is fantastic, by the way, and her voice is great. I love it. And um, I think it's important that we also talk about the realities of the community. Um, from what I'm hearing, there's, and as expected, um, there is a lot of toxic elements in the community already. And um, I think as a team, we need to work together to, to fight against that. But what I really wanted to talk about podcast-wise was in that realm of community and support systems and fighting against the toxic nature that a lot of people want to exude and give off, which is often predicated on their own insecurities and difficulties that they're dealing with in life. So without further ado, let's start the uh, official podcast. 
So apologies as I stumble uh, to work through this topic because I haven't really thought it through. Much of what I do in the morning podcast isn't really well thought out. I kind of just get in the car and I'm like, what do I want to talk about today? (laughs) That's kind of the best way I can do it. I think it's good practice improv-wise. It's good practice for for me to get comfortable with what I'm talking about and and kind of work through these topics. So uh, that's what I want. That's like the disclaimer I want to put on this is that I'm working through these topics and um, I want to encourage discussion on Anchor about these things so that I can get people talking and if I can get a response or two, I can throw it on the podcast version and create more exposure for other people, but for Anchor and the platform itself. Anyway, um, so I've seen a great outpouring yesterday from the community. People were very, um, very touching with each other and asking questions and, um, and, and lending their support, which is so amazing and so great and, um, such a good way to, um, foster positivity within a community, whether that's through a digital community or through, um, in-person communities. And I want to talk about the in-person stuff first, because that is likely the most important where, um, often we may be missing a good community because we're so attached to people that are close to us who may be toxic or unhelpful to us. Um, and which is unfortunately for unfortunate, we might have somebody who is abusive in our relationship, uh, physically abusive or emotionally abusive. Um, whether it's, uh, with each other, whether it's with, um, uh, marriage or, um, parents, friends, coworkers, things like that. Um, it's easy for somebody who, particularly someone who is not secure, who's very uncomfortable with themselves to be taken advantage of in that respect. Um, particularly, uh, kids who are coming of age, let's say like 18 to 22 year olds who are very used to being, you know, raised by their parents, of course, and they go out into the world and their parents are still very clinging to them. And, and, and then there's a difference between, you know, parents wanting to keep an eye on their kids, but also another who are trying to control their every move and encouraging them to go to college when they don't want to, or encouraging them to do, to go down this path if they don't want to, um, things like that. I call those the bumper sticker parents because they, they put the bumper sticker on their car to make themselves feel better and don't necessarily, might not necessarily care what the, what the kids feel or, or disguise that, uh, with, with feeling like they're supporting their kids when they're really just trying to brag to other parents. Um, that's a whole other topic that, uh, brings out a lot of cynicism in me, but, um, you know, nobody's perfect. I understand that parents are just trying to figure shit out too. But oftentimes you see a lot of these, uh, abusive emotional relationships that, uh, it's hard to recognize. Um, a lot, often it's very, very subtle things. Um, And I encourage you to do a little bit of research on it because I don't really have the best clear thought when it comes to describing it. But if you feel like someone is trying to control you or, or not support you or not appreciate who you are, 
you should work to change that. I think if it's a friend or loose acquaintance, I think it's easier to just kind of like get rid of that person and move on from that situation. Um, but if it's a closer person to you, family member or uh, someone you're married to, it is a little bit more difficult. You may not necessarily want to give up on that so easily and um, you know, want to work towards that. Uh, I think it's about commanding respect. It's about establishing self-respect first because then you can say no more often to people. I, I think the power of no is, is incredible. Once you learn how to say no to people that, and, and say no to things that you don't want to do in life, um, you find that that doors actually open up a little bit more. It's kind of interesting when you think about it that way. Uh, let's talk about it more in the next segment. So apologies as I stumble uh, to work through this topic because I haven't really thought it through. Much of what I do in the morning podcast isn't really well thought out. I kind of just get in the car and I'm like, what do I want to talk about today? <laughs> That's kind of the best way I can do it. I think it's good practice improv-wise. It's good practice for, for me to get comfortable with what I'm talking about and, and kind of work through these topics. So. Uh, that's what I want. That's like the disclaimer I want to put on this is that I'm working through these topics and um, I want to encourage discussion on Anchor about these things so that I can get people talking and if I can get a response or two, I can throw it on the podcast version and create more exposure for other people, but for Anchor and the platform itself. Anyway, um, so I, I've seen a great outpouring yesterday from the community. People were very... Um, very touching with each other and asking questions and um, and and lending their support, which is so amazing and so great and um, such a good way to um, foster positivity within a community, whether that's through a digital community or through um, in-person communities. And I want to talk about the in-person stuff first because that is likely the most important where um, often we may be missing a good community because we're so attached to people that are close to us who may be toxic or unhelpful to us, um, and which is unfortunately for, unfortunate. We might have somebody who is abusive in our relationship, uh, physically abusive or emotionally abusive, um, whether it's uh, with each other, whether it's with, a um, uh, marriage or, um, parents, friends, coworkers, things like that. Um, it's easy for somebody who, particularly someone who is not secure, who's very uncomfortable with themselves to be taken advantage of in that respect. Um, particularly, uh, kids who are coming of age, let's say like 18 to 22 year olds who are very used to being, you know, raised by their parents, of course, and they go out into the world and their parents are still very clinging to them. And, and, and then there's a difference between, you know, parents wanting to keep an eye on their kids, but also another who are trying to control their every move and encouraging them to go to college when they don't want to, or encouraging them to do, to go down this path if they don't want to. Um, things like that. 
I call those the bumper sticker parents because they they put the bumper sticker on their car to make themselves feel better and don't necessarily might not necessarily care what the what the kids feel or or disguise that uh, with with feeling like they're supporting their kids when they're really just trying to brag to other parents. Um, that's a whole other topic that uh, brings out a lot of cynicism in me, but. Um, you know, nobody's perfect. I understand that. Parents are just trying to figure shit out too. But oftentimes you see a lot of these uh, abusive emotional relationships that uh, it's hard to recognize. Um, a lot, often it's very, very subtle things. Um, and I encourage you to do a little bit of research on it because I don't really have the best clear thought when it comes to describing it. But if you feel like someone is trying to control you, or, or not support you or not appreciate who you are, you should work to change that. I think if it's a friend or loose acquaintance, I think it's easier to just kind of like get rid of that person and move on from that situation. Um, but if it's a closer person to you, family member, or uh, someone you're married to, it is a little bit more difficult. You may not necessarily want to give up on that so easily. And, um, you know, want to work towards that. Uh, I think it's about commanding respect. It's about establishing self-respect first, because then you can say no more often to people. I, I think the power of no is is incredible. Once you learn how to say no to people that, and, and say no to things that you don't want to do in life, um, you find that that doors actually open up a little bit more. It's kind of interesting when you think about it that way. Uh, let's talk about it more in the next segment. I very strongly believe that you become the sum, or at least part of you becomes the sum of the people you surround yourself with. I mean, it's interesting to see how a lot of people will start to exhibit the traits of people they hang out with without even really realizing it. They start saying words that they don't typically say, or I've noticed that I use the word predicated a lot, and it's something that Gary Vee, Gary Vee says all the time. And uh, I like the word, but I, I feel like I'm starting to oversaturate, so I'm being, being aware of that. Um, but there are certain types of sense of humor that you might um, start to exhibit, or ways that you speak it's kind of interesting. And, uh, when you start to notice that you start to realize that you also are likely to be susceptible to negativity that people exude as well, whether it's, um, cynicism about certain situations or lack of humor in certain situations, maybe you start to share their political stance or, uh, aggressiveness towards an idea or a type of people. Um, without even realizing it. Perhaps you start to lean towards a vocation because you're around a certain type of people and, um, and whatnot. There were two situations in my life that I can think of where I kind of stopped and looked around and realized that I, that I needed to get out. When I was 17 or 18, I think I was 18, I was still working at Taco Bell. I worked, for, I worked at Taco Bell when I was 15 to about 18 years old and I quit for about a year in between. Um, I had seen the movie Office Space when I was like 16 and I was like, why am I working? <laughs> that kind of ruined everything. Um, 
but I ended up uh, around 18 years old. Um, it was a time when like college was coming into the picture. I had just finished high school. I was trying to figure out, or I was finishing high school, trying to figure out what to do with my life. And um, I was pretty content most of the time I was working at Taco Bell. There was a lot of great people there. Uh, I had a great mentor in one of the general managers who was a total hustler type. Like he was fast moving. He was intelligent. He was, um, he had a good aggressive stride to him. Like he was just, he was, um, a really smart guy and he saw the potential in me, which I, I really appreciated as well. Um, I was being trained to be a manager there and manager at the time was like $10 an hour job for a 10 hour shift. And it was, you know, not very impressive, but I was excited to be acknowledged and I was working through the workbooks and the system and all that stuff. I was the prized pupil. And um, one day I was working at the drive-thru, kind of dealing with miserable people and looked around and I had one of those like movie moments where everything's busy and you're kind of in it and you're feeling the stress and then you just stop. Everything stops. All the sound goes deaf. And you just kind of look around and you see the the people at the cash register. There was there was literally like three areas that were rife with stress and like just just more stress than anything was worth. Um, somebody at the front counter was complaining about their food. There was always a person that would eat half of their burrito and then come back and say, I didn't like this. <laughs> like, if you took one bite, you should know, but you just kept going. I don't, okay. Um, uh, and then the people who were working the line, who were putting the food together, they were, both of them were lifers. We called them lifers because they'd been working there for like over 10 years and um, didn't really have any expressed ambitions. Maybe they did, but they didn't put it out there. Uh, and I was working the drive through and I was always very efficient. I was always very good at things that involved processes. Like if I could, uh, create efficiencies with operations, like that stuff I would be really good at. So I, I like mastered the drive through, but then I was dealing with difficult people who would not be nice because I lived in Philly. People were just like, I would be like, would you like an extra drink with that? And I'd be trying to be as nice as possible. And they'd be like, no. I'm like, all right, at least like be nice a little bit. Like, come on. Um, so in that moment, I just kind of looked around and I was like, I'm, I'm done. This is not worth it. I don't want to be like them. So I got to try something different. I'm going to talk a little bit more in the next segment. So that was one of the moments where I realized that I needed to get out because what I was being surrounded by was not helpful to me as a person. And I've always been somebody that was never content sitting still. Like I've always wanted to do something else. I've always had lofty ambitions and goals. And I've, I've talked about that in previous podcasts where because of like the mix of who my parents are, I kind of feel that natural urge to be a little bit greater than my, uh, expectations. Um, so I, I, I work towards that and I put a lot of pressure on myself as a result of that. I, I think there was a little bit of elitism going on when I looked around and I felt like I was better than that. Um, I'm not saying those people are better than me, but I felt in that moment that that's not where I wanted to be. 
So it's not a matter of like better or worse because I, I think there's a lot of negative assumptions about fast food workers and all that stuff, which is not good because there are a lot of great people and there are people who are uh, in situations where they can't really, whether they choose to be that or not, they, you know, they couldn't get the education or they didn't have the opportunities or whatever. It's, it's not that they um, are lesser of people, which is trying, what I'm trying to say. Um, but, but in that moment, everybody was being stressed out and I just realized I wanted a different kind of situation. So that was a moment where I decided to just cut it off and I talked to my dad the next day and I, I started working for him full time while I went to college. And, um, you know, that was a whole different thing. And then the second moment was when actually when I met my wife, I was already thinking about this before I met her, but I was thinking about moving to San Diego because it just seemed like, it just seemed like paradise. <laughs> it just seemed like a whole different world, um, compared to Philly. I was being more and more immersed in the culture. And as I was getting older, I was starting to see the patterns that people were falling into of, um, becoming lifers in a different kind of way. They, you know, the types that inherit their parents' house and, you know, marry the person down the street and, um, get the union job and just kind of coast through life. And again, there's nothing really wrong with that, but it wasn't what I wanted. Um, and being surrounded by that, you started to feel more of the pressure to also be that so that when you start to express being different or you start to see people in the same patterns over and over again, it becomes very frustrating, very disheartening. And I felt like what I was doing there um, wasn't helping me in the long run. Like I finished college, uh, I was trying to find out the next stage in my life and uh, I was already exploring San Diego and then I met my wife and she was the catalyst to to go out there because she we had a mutual friend. She was actually the our mutual friend was my ex-girlfriend's roommate in college. So I met her through that person and um, my wife's mother lived on the East Coast where I was. She lived in Downingtown and I would um, hear about her. She would go back and forth to to the West Coast because she lived, um, she went to college at SDSU on the West Coast here in San Diego. But she would come out to Philly, to the Pennsylvania area. Oh, I'm about to pull behind a porta potty. That's not the best idea. Um, let me get get out from behind this guy. Um, but when I met her and, you know, she lived in San Diego, I was like, this seems like not only is she incredible, but it was a great opportunity to try a different life. So I was already thinking about it, but this was like a catalyst to just go, go, go. I decided to take the time to come out and visit and I hung out for a week and it was probably one of the best weeks of my life. And that's when I decided to make the move. I started after I was done college, like a few months later, I um, saved the money. I got an internship and then got a job, saved the money moved out about nine or ten months later and uh, the rest is kind of history I live here now so and have uh, done some different cool things and I'm pretty happy that I took that leap so those are big moments when I kind of removed myself from support systems that I felt weren't working at the time 
or weren't aligning with my particular goals and wants. And um, I had to make it happen. And I'm pretty happy as a result of that. Now, sometimes situations aren't just as easy as simply leaving. Um, you might have to talk to somebody more often. You might have to work at explaining yourself, which I think is why language is undervalued. Um, the words that we use are super important. I think people are very, very concerned with political correctness and um, whether it's uh, being too politically correct or people who are trying to knock people down because they are attempting to be quote unquote politically correct. I think people are, are, are just trying to convey concepts the right way. And that's what I'm doing. I, I'm trying to battle assumptions and I've, I've fought with a lot of people on the internet. Um, mostly not because I wanted to fight with them, but because I wanted to find the best method of communicating with somebody that didn't lead to fighting. Um, that led to a constructive conversation. Now it's often predicated on, and here's that word again, predicated, I gotta stop using it. Um, it's often with the, um, now I get stuck if I'm not using that word. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I often attempt to try to talk to people, but I, I know that there are variables involved, like the type of person they are and the topics and things like that. I think there are ways to navigate conversations in a sensitive way that isn't necessarily quote-unquote politically correct. And, um, but being sensitive to how people listen to words in conversation. I, I, there are plenty of words, particularly in the English language, that can be taken different ways. Different sentences that can be read different ways. Uh, I think it's safe to assume that people on the internet, when they read something, they read an opinion of somebody, whether it's a comment or an article, they're typically reading it in more of a negative voice, um, which I think is interesting. I think it's interesting that's the, that that is the go-to. I, I wonder what that says about the voice that's inside our head. What the, I wonder what that also says about human evolution and um, our defense mechanisms and how we, how we deal with that stuff. But uh, I think the value of our words is it's not given enough time of day. It's not given enough value. I don't think we think about it enough. I think we should consider how we're speaking to people more and more, uh, particularly as we're building communities that involve text and reading and dealing with more anonymous people um, and then being respectful to them or whatever the case may be. It's interesting to me that I, I think that instinctive negativity is interesting to me, but I think it's interesting that, that people don't care about language. Um, and I guess in a lot of ways I understand, but in other, in, in other ways it can save you from a bad relationship. Being able to communicate effectively can save you from controlling parents or uh, lasting through a job that you don't want to deal with or um, you know, being open and honest with somebody about changing the situation that you're in. So I, I think it's about language and it's about honesty. 
You need to be honest with yourself about who you are and what you want in life, but honest with other people about how you feel. And if they don't like that, then you've got to either work through that or get rid of them. That's the long and short of it. If you're mending, honestly, some of the most miserable people that I've come across are people that are trying really, really hard to make other people happy. Whether they're putting their every little fiber of their children first, um, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but they are foregoing their own health as a result. Um, and that's not good for how they treat their kids. Um, and the same thing with with all these other examples that I keep using with work and husbands and wives and uh, parents. If you're not taking care of yourself and being honest with yourself and being honest with them and communicating effectively, which we could talk about more specific examples in the future of how to do that, then you're robbing yourself of a good, enriching life, the life that you want. Again, I've said this before, you are the only person that you're going to spend 100% of your life with. So you need to work towards making that situation, your life, better. So that leads me to discussing online communities, which are probably the most toxic places um, to deal with. I, I, I think we were all in a intense hotbed of toxicity and intenseness in the last election cycle um, and, and even, you know now people are still very very outspoken about what's going on and we're living in a very uh, interesting time where there's a lot of interesting things being said um, but we're also living in a time where online communities are still new new to the point where it's still kind of fresh and exciting but old enough where it's a little bit disheartening that communities are still not um, handled with care. Whether that's really any online community, um, I think some of the more toxic ones can be like YouTube comments, um, like anime communities are pretty sexist, uh, political communities when people are like talking to each other um, and, and I haven't experienced it yet on Anchor but I know it's coming and I'll be prepared for it um, but it's it's interesting that like online communities are, are just intensely gross but platforms and platforms are not quite taking responsibility for it which doesn't make sense to me because if somebody goes into a store a lot of the times you'll see signs that say no shoot no no shirt no shoes no service shouldn't we take that approach with a lot of online communities shouldn't we take that approach with um, finding some way to take responsibility for the way people are communicating on platforms it's it's not only good for the platform itself to make sure you're fostering a healthy happy community um, I think people get caught up way too much in this freedom of speech aspect where it's like I got freedom of speech I can call people a con if I want to and it's like not really uh, You can't say it without consequence Like freedom of speech is just making sure that the government doesn't come uh, come in and and slap your wrist and do something about it But people can police each other and Platforms can police each other can police people. I'm not saying you throw them in jail But I mean they can kick them off their platform 
if they're being disrespectful. And I think a lot of communities and a lot of developers, uh, platforms are not taking enough responsibility for that. Um, they are the ones with the power to, to let people know that this type of behavior won't be tolerated. I mean, I'm talking real shit. I'm not just talking people. I'm not, I'm not just talking freedom of speech and someone giving their opinion. I'm talking about people who are giving rape threats, people who are making accusations to other people about who they are and their races and their, their bases based on their sex and religion and gender. People are making assumptions and threats and um, unwanted advances and things like that. I've had friends lately, which I think is amazing that a lot of people are taking the reins on this. I've had some friends, some female friends particularly, who have been sharing um, situations where dudes are just sending them unsolicited dick pics. And it happens all the time. I know that it's nothing new. But they're now starting to like expose these dudes <laughs> and try to get them to send pictures of their face and then posting that on the internet and embarrassing the shit out of them. Because first of all, dudes, don't send dick pics. What are you doing? Nobody wants to see a penis. That's why you have sex in the dark. <laughs> like, nobody wants to see it. <laughs> like, like, I saw a, a comedian once said that, like, look, genitals are all pretty gross. It's just, you know, vaginas are less gross in my mind. So I deal with it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's cool. Um, but uh, I'm not going to get into that. But point being that I've, I've got another friend who is um, recently she is like taking the reins to like do more fitness stuff on Instagram and she's getting a lot of uh, a lot of stuff from creepers and she's just starting to take screenshots of them sharing ridiculous shit and um, and putting them out there so I, I see nothing wrong with exposing these people if they're willing to be embarrassing they should be embarrassed and platforms should take responsibility for kicking people off and and giving them hell so I'm very frustrated by online communities um, you know that particularly stuff like Facebook that claims to care about people and um, trying to that you know Mark Zuckerberg has this message of connecting the people of the world and stuff like that while of course serving ads but at the same time which is a, I understand a cynical perspective but at the same time they're they're not doing enough to create a safe community for people um, I think there need to be better reporting tools and ways to get people not just report people to get them off the platform, but if they're, if people are making rape threats, like, that needs to be taken seriously. There needs to be a, uh, a stronger connection between online life and reality. You know, people who are saying shit on Twitter and Facebook to people in this anonymous way, thinking that they're free of uh, consequence I mean that's the really the reason why they're doing it they feel like they're free of consequence they feel like they can they can say whatever they want and I think we need to make it a case I think platform 
people, platform developers, need to make it known. And I would say even maybe the government should step in a little bit, just a little bit. Maybe local governments, police. I think police can somehow have more online divisions and um, and and help find people that are being repeat offenders of of abuse uh, and threats. Because I think not enough of that is is being taken seriously, and it's very frustrating. So. I, I think it's an important topic to talk about. I know uh, Danger said that she was going to talk about it on her station today, so go check her out, uh, D-A-Y-N-G-R, if you're on Anchor, and uh, I should be having discussions with her throughout the day with that. I'll be busy with work, but um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to have a constructive conversation about that, and uh, I think ultimately one thing that we can do is make sure that we're controlling what we can control. I mean, I talk about platforms having to take responsibility and police taking responsibility, but there's very little that I can do about that. Um, I can email platforms and I can try to give my suggestions and talk to them about it, but I can't necessarily control what they do. So the best thing that I can do is make sure that I'm improving my communication skills, being honest about who I am, um, being respectful to people, and even if someone comes at me and starts talking shit, um, you know, maybe I report them or get rid of them or, or talk to them, you know. Um, but I think the strength of community is important. The strength of positive community is important. I think it'll be good to know that we have each other's backs. You know, if, if I barely know, I, I I just heard of Danger yesterday, and Simon Says, and a couple of these other. Um, radio stations um, but if if I heard that somebody was coming at them I got their back because they showed me support I'm gonna show them support and love as well and I think we got to continue to give that to each other so that we can make sure that we're creating like this barrier of of positivity and realness that an authenticity that that people can't can't touch but we also have to be intelligent about it either. I mean, we can't come at them and start shouting insults and, um, you know, quote unquote, educating them. You know, we can't treat them like we're looking down on them. You know, clearly if something's wrong, there's something missing in their life. There's maybe some sort of insecurity or some sort of problem or some misunderstanding or some assumption going on. Um, you know, when it comes to like, bigger picture stuff when it comes to like uh, social justice things like more and more I'm starting to realize that like there's so much that I don't know that it's almost not fair for me to comment on I think it's fair for people to talk about it and speculate but I think it's also important to to put that disclaimer out there to say like hey I really don't know what I'm talking about so don't assume that that I'm trying to say that this is the answer because I really I really don't know So that's pretty much it in terms of support systems, online communities, uh, and fighting off toxicity. Um, I think in the future I'd like to give more specific examples of how to like deal with people or, or deal with particular situations. I would love to hear if anyone on Anchor um, has had those kinds of difficulties and how 
you've dealt with it. If there was, if there was ever a positive outcome, I'd really particularly be interested in that. I'd be interested to know if you have any insight on how to combat those types of people and um, where we should go from there as a community. How should we? How can we help each other? How can we help platforms to take more responsibility? Um, and when it comes to online communities, gaming communities, social networks, um, things of that nature, to be more respectful to each other, to be more respectful to particularly people who are dealing with their own mental health issues or being attacked with creepy sexism and uh, stuff like that. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear your insight. And um, feel free to either call in if you're on Anchor, that would be rad, and then I'll, I can share your stuff if you're willing. And then um, feel free to message me on Twitter. You can at me on at RivalMyDesign or Instagram at RivalMyDesign, all social platforms at RivalMyDesign. And um, RivalMyDesign.com is where all my stuff is. Swing for the Fences is my music project. SoundCloud.com slash Swing for the Fences. I'll post some more music later today when I get back home because I have to upload it to the, the site and uh, do it that way but uh, that's it I'm heading, I'm heading to work and uh, I'm almost there, we have a quarterly meeting today, but I'm super stoked because my new computer is in, so I've been using a MacBook Pro and it's not the best for heavy graphics work and video editing, it's just it's just not up to speed it's a 2014 version just not not good uh, it's starting to chug and I'm getting real frustrated with it and the battery life doesn't last very long so what I'm getting at work is a 5k iMac that is like super specced out um, and hopefully it is everything that I'm dreaming it will be so I'm really excited about that uh, hopefully I'll be sharing the commercial that I'm working on soon but there's some big changes happening apparently there's a slogan that we went with that apparently wasn't registered and now we might have to change it so we'll see <laughs> Um, we'll see how that goes. And then I got a couple of videos I'm doing coming up, so um, I'll uh, I'll share those once I have those ready to share. Uh, I'm also thinking about how to. I would love your feedback on how to consolidate my likes and my brand. Meaning, I am a person that has all sorts of different things that I really like doing in life. Um, I. And as a result, I started like a video game website. I have Future Boy Media, which is photo and video. I've got me as a brand, and I've got Rival Design Studio for my design stuff. So I'm trying to find ways to consolidate all of that. I might just do it all under my name and have a YouTube channel where I can talk about all of those things. I would love to do music production tutorials and talk about making songs and do something where I'm doing design tutorials and and because I'm marketing myself as a creative producer and multimedia designer, I think it makes sense that I can do all of those things in one space. So if that makes sense to you, that would be rad. I would also uh, implore you to be on the lookout, and I know I'm being a little bit too self-bloggy, I guess, <laughs> uh, but uh, last night I gave an interview into the website Raleo. If you want to check out Raleo, um, Samir Doshi is the guy working on it and he is um, smart guy uh, trying to create a platform that is like this mix between LinkedIn and Craigslist go to Raleo.com check it out R-E-L-A-Y-O and um, check it out sign up 
and um, I'm giving them some insight on how to improve the platform. It's still kind of in its early stages, but I think it's another thing that could be, you know, it's kind of a blue ocean thing that I think is is not saturated, and I think there are smart ways to go about it with the knowledge we have of social networks to, these days to make it a better community where it's people actually having discussions and talking to each other and asking questions and not just a wall of professionals saying, hire me, hire me, hire me, um, and people actually offering expertise. So thanks for listening. This is the end of the podcast version. Listen on Anchor, and I'll talk to you next time.